Hey everyone, this is Isaac Maddox, and I'm the pastor of Activate Church, and this is our podcast. Remember, you can subscribe to our podcast and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. I hope this message blesses you, encourages you, builds your faith, and I hope you enjoy the message. It is all about. Amen. Throw up John chapter 13. John chapter 13, 35 says, by this, by what's the this? Not not prayer, not holiness, not not what you know, by love. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Isn't that good? That is what it's all about, is a reputation of God's people, um, so much so that we are known. Could you imagine Christians and the church being known for love? I mean, that's awesome. I don't know if that's what we're known for when someone says, hey, hey, do you know any Christians? I need some love. I don't know if that's our reputation. So we're going after it. We have a good, I think we have good cause to at least doing a, a, a love series once a year. Uh, because this is really what it's all about. This is, this, is, this is the revelation of God. That love is not God. But God is love. And we ought to be known for it. And so we get to be a part, I believe, of the church around the world. That God is moving. And uh, it's incredible. Um, we're on a series called Do Not Burn the Scorecard. We get that from 1 Corinthians 13.35. Out of the NIV, we can read that. And it says... What did I say? Did I say? Oh, yeah, 1 Corinthians 13. There we go. 13, 5 in the NIV. Love does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Is that verse 5? Keeps no record of wrongs. Was that not on there? Was that on there? Did I miss that? 1 Corinthians 13, 5. Was that on there? I missed it. It does not dishonor others. There it is. Okay. I was like, every once in a while, I'm like, am I reading out of the Koran? Am I, what am I, what book? I thought I was reading from the good book. There we go. It does not dishonor others. We were getting there. Okay, here we go. It does not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Isn't that powerful? I keep a record of wrongs. And so do you. But love doesn't. And so we need the love of God in our lives. Amen? I don't want to just talk about it. I don't want to just think about it. And I don't just want to try to get more love from people in my life. I want the love of God active in my life. So much so that my reputation becomes love. Our church's reputation becomes love. And uh, we're actually known for love. Not just talking about it. Not just saying, babe, I wish you loved me more. But actually being able to love so much so that when someone hurts me, I burn the scorecard. Not because of me, because I keep score. Oh, I keep score. That's scary. I, 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 and I keep really good score. I keep really good score. I have a better memory than her, so I, can, I, have, I have better records. I have, I have the better record. I'm like the IRS. I've got records on everything. 
but we're burning the scorecard because love doesn't keep a record. Amen? Let's go to 1 Corinthians 13. I'm reading out of the New King James here. Um, chapter 13, verse 8. Chapter 13, verse 8. It says, love never fails. Love is the undefeated champ. Love never fails. Why do we fail so much? Because of lack of love. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but then that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away with. Then seemingly out of nowhere, Paul begins to reminisce about when he was a child. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, but when I became a man, but when I became a man, so that means becoming something doesn't automatically put childish understanding away. He says that he was a man still with childlike understanding. And so you have to put it away. Becoming a Christian doesn't put it away. Becoming married doesn't put it away. Becoming pregnant doesn't put it away. Becoming who you want to be in life or ministry doesn't put it away. Who puts it away? Not your mom, not your dad, not the church, not the pastor, not even God. You and I have to put it away. Why is this in the love chapter? Well, we're looking at why Paul goes from love, 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 love to when I was a child. Not when you were a child, but when I. Say I. 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 This is one of our key words this morning. Is I. It's my life. It's my salvation. It's my faith. And it's my understanding that Paul is saying is blocking the love. Paul is saying my understanding, my thinking, and my speaking is blocking the love. It's not the love. I know you want more love. It's not the love. That's blocking the love. He talks about love and then says, when I was a child, I had to put away childish understanding. Because that is what will stop the flow of love. You are probably more loved than you think. I know that I love you more than you think. I love you more than you think. I think you love me more than I think. But what do we do? Love me more. We emphasize the love. I want to love you more. This morning, I want us to focus not on the love, but on childlike understanding. And not yours, but mine. You don't focus on mine, you focus on yours. All right? Childlike understanding is what we're going to put away this morning. You ready? It's good. It's good. It's good. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for church. We thank you that we're here. And we thank you that you're here. Lord, we're two or three are gathered. Lord, you are here. And Lord, because you're here... Your word is here. Your presence is here. Salvation is here. Miracles are here. Lord, we pray against cancer. Lord, we pray against depression. Lord, we pray healing over chronic pain, over knees and backs. Lord, over issues and disease. Lord, we pray your your power and your life upon every cell in this place. Jesus, Lord, have preeminence in this place. Lord, it's always been about you. It's always about you. It'll always be about you. Christ alone. Christ is enough. Lord, we put all of our faith, our hope, our trust in your word this morning. Your word 
word declares that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And even though we want more faith, your word also declares that all we need is the faith of a mustard seed. And the faith of a mustard seed can remove mountains and tear up trees and roots and God we need healing we need your love we need your presence Lord but most of all God we pray that your mind would come into our mind your thoughts would come into our thoughts and your words would cause our words to become your words Lord do it only you can do in this place in Jesus name amen amen well it's summer so I took the kids swimming and so we're swimming the other day, and my second-born son, ours, me and Carrie, um, Trent is 10 years old. Now, Trent, when he gets bummed out, he doesn't announce it. He just, like this. This is how you know if Trent is bummed. Just like a lot of you. So, what do I have to do? I have to dig. Trent, what's wrong? Now, he thinks he's fooling me. Nothing. Trent, what's wrong, buddy? Nothing. It's the same with a lot of us. Hey, what's wrong? Nothing. Now, we don't go around sulking because we're adults. We learn how to fake it better. And we think we're fooling people. So then we, we force each other to go digging. Because the last time I opened up my heart to you, you hurt me. So now I'm going to make you dig. I'm going to make you come and get the gold. You're going to have to dig. I'm not going to give it up easy. But without honesty, we cannot have relationship. Now, you can blame. You can make excuses. Is it okay if we just get right into it this morning? I know this is a bit of a leadership talk, but this is what's happening in my life, is I'm seeing myself in my 10-year-old child. I wish I was only seeing myself in Christ. <laughs> I see Mother Teresa. I see Billy Graham, and I see myself. I see men and women of God, and I see myself. I'm seeing myself lately in my son, Trent. What's wrong, buddy? Nothing. Fast forward 15 minutes later, my goggles broke. Okay. His goggles broke. So what do I have to do now? Rebuke the devil? Probably not. We talked about that last week, how we are given to blaming the devil and demons for everything when it's less likely, even though there are demons and the devil, amen, it is real, but it is less likely a demonic issue than it is an issue of discipleship. But, but it's far easier to cast out a devil than to disciple a young man or a young woman in the ways of God. Because it takes my whole day. I have to go, hold on, buddy. The world's not ending because your goggles broke. Amen? But that's what we do. We live in one of the greatest economies and cultures of freedom. It's not perfect, but it is an open opportunity to people who want to work and try and go after it. But what happens when we lose a job or we don't get promoted or our coffee's cold? We sulk just like Trent. And then we walk into church and we make people. We just make people come and say, what's wrong? What's wrong? And you go, I'm not going to give it up that easy because I'm getting attention. So we learn to get attention by, by doing that. Then I finally go, Trent. What's really wrong? Well, my goggles broke, but Jude's not going to let me use his. Juju! Juju! This is my world. Why aren't you letting Trent use your goggles that you're not using? I, Dad! Dad, I said he could use them. I'm like, Trent, 
well, we have new information. No, no, he said I could use them based on one condition that he doesn't know about, but he's going to come up with this week. I was like, okay. First of all, that's my man, Juju, negotiating. But I didn't say that. I said, no, you don't do that. You don't let your brother borrow the goggles based on one condition that you don't even haven't even come up with. But what do we do? Another types of childlike understanding. I could come up with 10 points of childlike understanding, but I don't preach that way. I'm just going to throw out a few thoughts that I see as myself in my kids is that we ultimately then start to barter in our relationships. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. And even in the most intimate of marriages, basically love is not the rule. We have a whole nother set of rules. And when you start to break the rules, even that have been set for 20 years, we have a problem. Because I'm a better rule follower than you. We all are. I'm keeping my side of the bargain. And babe, you are not. So we start to negotiate. When that's not love, love fulfills all the law. Love fulfills all of the prophets. Love fulfills every rule and law. That's why love is supposed to be the rule. Juju, we don't love that way in this family. If you see a need, you fill it. Give your son Give your son, give your brother, my son, the goggles. Okay, dad, thank you for willingly do that, son. Trent gets the goggles. Now what does Trent do? He's just like, me, me. Trent, use the goggles. I don't know. You know what? That's what we do. When we throw a pity party and we get bummed out and then we get what we want, And then once we get what we want, it was so hard, and it took so much work, and there's so much drama, I don't even know if I want it anymore. So once we get what we want, we're not even good at receiving what actually is coming our way, and so we block it. What do I have to get through? Is it really the lack of love that that ruined Trent's day? Is it really the goggles? Is it really America? Is it really his parents? Is it really that he's not a part of the right church? Is it really that? Or is it his childlike understanding that blocked, that ruined his day? It's his understanding. And so what am I doing as a good father? I'm trying to disciple him saying, son, we got to break the stinking thinking. Your brother loves you even though he can be a knucklehead. Your dad loves you even though I'm not perfect. The church loves you even though it's not perfect. But you got to take back responsibility of your attitude and your faith and your perspective. The reason life is out of control is because we have delegated control to other people. And so what happens when I give you control over my attitude, I now have to control you. Right? Because if I give my heart and my ability to be loved and my faith and my ministry into the hands of Jordan, and I hope he'll let me join the welcome team. So what I've done is I've taken my thermostat for my house and put it into his house. And so however he's feeling, however he wants to do, is now going to affect my life. And so I'm too cold or too hot based upon where he's at and where he's living. And so Paul is saying, take back the responsibility and the control that God has given you you would never put your thermostat in someone's house it's silly but what we do is we put my attitude and my happiness into your life into your spouse's life 
And if, and if they can pull off just enough love and just enough everything, then I can be happy. God is in control, but he does not control. He gives you the free choice to make decisions. And so when you give the free choice of your faith, of your happiness, of your life, and your gifting, and you outsource it to other people, you are stuck on where they're at and how they treat you and what they say about you. So what do we do? We spend our time trying to get them to understand and them to change their thoughts about us and them the way that we talk about us. And Paul is saying, take it back. You are meant to be in charge of your faith and your attitude and your understanding and your feelings and your words. You are not a victim. You're not. And as long as you want to live in the state and attitude of a victim, then you are truly stuck on someone else. And God said in his word, your dream is not dependent upon other people or God would not be God and people would be God. So when God puts his seed, the incorruptible seed of the word of God in you, no man, no devil can stop it. But you know what we do? You know what we do? Paul says, when I, I was a child. Not when you were a child. When I was a child. I, when I was a child. When I was a child. I got to get I back in my life. Guys, I am such a victim. Up and even to the last couple of weeks. Maybe yesterday. If I'm going to (laughs) be... fully honest this message is changing my life if someone honestly asked me why i was chubby or why my cholesterol or blood pressure is not where it's at do you know what i would honestly say you it's because of you because a little old sweet mary o'day because planting a church is so hard <laughs> did you feel bad for me i'm a victim of your meals and your lasagna it's, I'm not, I'm not, it's not me. It's you. I, I, I was a youth pastor at a big church and we had stuff to do. We worked 70 hours a week. Do you feel bad for me? I sold everything and moved to Australia and we had young people over to our house. Do you think they want to eat salads? No. The young people of Melbourne, they want other things. So we had to do pancake nights and waffles and coffee and brownies. I'm a victim. Isaac, why aren't you as healthy as you want to be? Because of your carbs and your sugars and your kitchen and the church and people. I noticed I was talking this way. I did. And Paul said, when I was a child. If you don't have the word I in your sentence, it's childlike understanding. Do you know why I am not as healthy as I want to be? Because I make decisions to comfort, eat, carbs, and sugars. I am not as healthy as I, 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 got to get it back into your understanding, thinking, and talking. I 
Why am I not? Why have I not finished my book? Why am I not preaching? It's not because of you. It's not because of the church. It's not because of a pastor didn't encourage me. It's not because of my parents. It is because I have to take back control of the decisions because if I give you control, then my destiny, my ministry, my marriage, my love, my happiness, my fulfillment is based upon you. And Paul said, take it back because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You cannot change what you don't have the control to change. So you've offloaded and outsourced your happiness to everybody. And so now you have to blame them and control them and figure out, I'll prove it. Oh, maybe. I'm going to say a phrase. Wish we had more time. I'm going to say a phrase. And just, just be honest with yourself. This is about you, between you and God and the squirrels, okay? This has nothing to do with me. Hurt people, hurt people. Okay, just think, hurt people, hurt people. Hurt people, hurt people. Okay, that's good. I've heard Dr. Phil say that. I've heard Oprah say that. I've heard Isaac say that. That's good. Okay, parallel truth. Did you think about how someone hurt you or how you hurt someone? We tend to always think about other people. Rarely do we take self-responsibility. i got to stop hurting people. When you, did you hear that phrase? And did you think, or maybe you didn't think of anything, but maybe you thought about how per- people have hurt you, and you're like, mm, so true. <laughs> that person's a hurt person, and that's why they hurt me. Or do you think I? I have never heard my son yet. Trent, what's wrong? I'm insecure, Dad! Dad, I let my emotions get the better of me. Dad, I chose to partner and agree with a lie. No, it's Jude. I know. So I joke around with Trent. I know if we could just get rid of Jude, right, Trent? We'd be happy. No, it's your childlike understanding, son. So what am I doing? I'm discipling the bigger picture. The bigger picture. Paul is saying you don't have an issue with love. The issue is your childlike understanding. Your childlike understanding and thinking and talking about everything that happens to you. You are more loved than you could ever even imagine. God is more for you. There is more doors being opened up. You are more blessed. You are more cherished. You are more taken care of than you could ever imagine. But your focus is on people and church and ministries and hurt and and them and they and them and him and her and them and they and not I. When I, when I... I am taking back responsibility over my worship. Over my worship. I'm not a victim of the IRS or taxes or job loss or disease or family or church or community. I am not a victim. I am in charge over my spirit, over my faith, over my praise. And my God is bigger and he is worthy to be praised. The Bible says if no one cries out and praises, the rocks will cry out. Creation will cry out because he is worthy to be praised 24-7. It is my responsibility I don't want you to be a victim because you can't do anything about it when you're a victim well the church doesn't sing the songs I like and and, and people don't 
Do you notice how we talk? And people don't, and you know, and the journey and the issues. And, and Paul saying, when I was a child, get I back in your vocabulary today. It's coming back. I, 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 I'm taking back my happiness, taking back my faith in my marriage, in my marriage. I'm not going to give my happiness thermostat to carry. I would highly recommend not doing that in marriage. Unless, like, the person you're married to is Jesus, and then, man, it's going to be awesome. But you got to take that back. It sounds so Christian, doesn't it? I just love my wife. It's not about me. It's about her. It's about people. These are the lies we tell ourselves as we are constantly thinking about other people and and hurts and worries. you got to put on your oxygen mask first because if you don't get what you need to get, you can't be what she needs or what they need. And the truth of it is, is you're so focused on them calling it love because you're trying to get from them. Really, it's for you. And that's why it's so sensitive. And that's why it's so fragile. And that's why it's up and it's down because... Because what you're doing for you is what you're doing for them, I should say, is really for you. And so Paul is saying, you got to get what you need to get. Right now, if, if I'm like, love God, and you're thinking, I wish my spouse loved God more. I wish they loved God more. No, take it for you. What happens is you're in their headspace. You can't get what they need. They can't get what you need. I can't put in the word of God. I can encourage TJ. I can lay my hands, but I can't take what she needs for her. And if she's thinking about me and how I'm sweating and how she wished I didn't wear a hat and how the church service was this, if your head is constantly somewhere else, then you are not here right now to receive what God has for you. So how much are we missing thinking about other people all the time? I think we're missing God all the time because we're not here. So when you hear, love God, you're thinking, I wish they loved God more. Instead of, I want to love God. Faith, I need more faith. Hurt people, hurt people. God, I don't want to hurt people. The book of Proverbs said a soft answer. Lord, turns wrath. Lord, I want your wisdom. I want your understanding. I want your word. God, I don't want to hurt people. I don't want to hurt my kids. God, I want, I want to be healed. Get it for you. Get it for you. Stop living in a constant state of thinking about other people. That's childlike understanding. 99% of the time, Trent, what's wrong, Jude? Jude, what's wrong, Trent? Jude and Trent, what's wrong? Mom and dad. But you know what? I see ourselves in them. What's wrong? I rarely hear, you know what? I got to get rid of my childlike understanding. Yeah. Yeah, I got I to gotta take back my faith. I got to stop being so hurt and suspicious. I got to stop believing lies. I got to stop gossiping. You rarely hear that. You hear a defense for the gossip. I just wanted to pray for them. You rarely hear like a flat out honest acknowledgement of your stuff. Yeah, I got to stop being insecure and feeling like if people don't act and treat me in a certain way, I don't say it perfectly. I hide them to this high, high standard of what love looks like for me. And so if I don't get it the way I need it and the way that I need it said and the way I need it operated and offloaded, then I'm going to reject it. You don't often hear this raw, honest responsible when I, I, 
I'm going after my understanding. You do what you want to do. I need to get a hold of my understanding because I have no chance in impacting your understanding if I don't take back my understanding and aligning it to the word of God and understanding that it's my childlike understanding that's probably blocking love. It's probably lies in my head, even though I think they're true, that are blocking love. It's my words that I'm constantly speaking and saying that are blocking love. So I'm taking back the responsibility over my life. Even in the most intimate of relationships, like marriage and certain friendships, I'm taking it back. I'm taking it back. I'm taking it back. Childlike understanding is always thinking and worried and hurt about other people. Get it for you. Get it for you. You got to think about God for you. Even right now, the rest of the service, just get everything that happens for you. Don't think once, I got to send them and so and so the tape, the CD, the album, whatever we use now. Just think, I need to hear this again, or I need to get that book, or I need to hear that. Just for the next 20 minutes, just, just start to reprogram your mind for you. For you. What's happening in the service is for you. What God is speaking is for you. What God is saying is for you. Right after we figured out this goggle situation, this little girl, she really jumps into the pool and says, I love life. <laughs> I literally look up, patted myself on my back for being a good dad, yeah, discipling my sons. And this little girl, literally, I just look up, she's like, I love life. <laughs> I don't know what happened to us. What, what happened to us? Did we lose the love in our life because we're so consumed with other people and not love? That we're not thinking about love. We can't think about love because all we can think about is how someone hurt us or didn't love us. And so we're not back to that simplicity of, of, of just, just seeing love and, and, and returning back to our lives and our hearts. And so at the heart of my life, you do not have enough power to ultimately take from me what God has given to me. And when my understanding, my thinking, and my words are aligned to the word of God there's nothing that can ruin my day no one can take from me what God has given to me God has the ultimate power in my life the key to experiencing love is the putting away of childish understanding speaking and thinking it's not your love it's my understanding it's not your love it's my understanding but what have we done we spent our lives telling people how they haven't loved us. And we've spent very little time on going, God, i got to change my wacky pataki thinking and understanding. i gotta change, I got I to put away. I don't know why I've never seen this. i got to put away my childish understanding. It's killing my marriage. Being Carrie been married 17 years? <laughs> She's like, you know what's really changed in our marriage? I think there is probably a lot more love than we had 17 years ago. I can tell you the biggest change is my childlike understanding of her. The child ruled the day. Was it all of a sudden all this love that got poured out in our marriage? Like all of a sudden Carrie just flipped the switch and it was like, whoa. 
It was like 1969, summer of love, and she started loving me. Guys, once she came out of a prayer meeting one night, and she would not stop kissing me and hugging me and loving me. No. I wish it was that way. But my understanding of her and my understanding of situations and my understanding of her words and her thoughts, for me, I put my childlike understanding away. Are you blocking love in your life because you want to be understood and un- instead of understand? See, your version is probably not a true understanding of the situation. Isn't that true? That's what I'm learning. My version of what happened or what is happening is often not right. Childish understanding as an adult, this is what Paul is saying, will put away love. So if you want love, you must put away childish understanding. If you don't put away childish understanding, the childish understanding will put love away in your life. That's why we have to put it away. That's why we have to put it away. That's why we have to put it away today. Your need to be understood is keeping you from understanding. Now hear me. Your need to be understood is keeping you from understanding. Your need to be understood. But isn't this the essence of life, to be understood? Isn't this everything? The need to be understood? Aren't we, isn't this the heartbeat of every Christian, every human being, is to be seen, to be understood, to be loved? So if what we're saying this morning is we are going to put away the need to be understood, and we want the need to be understood to give way to understanding. Whoa! This is a big one. This is everything, right? This is what drives us. This is what young people, they'll they'll give up their sexuality, they'll give up their future, they'll give up their body, they'll give up whatever it takes, they'll give up their morals. If someone can see them or hear them or love them, I mean, this is the cry of every woman, of every man, of every marriage, of every family, of every church, of every religion, of every tribe and tongue and nation is the desire to be loved, to be heard. Will someone see? me will someone get me this is it this is it how are we supposed to put this away I mean this is what drives us this is what we want you want to be married with someone who's like I get you if you have a bad day I'll pick you up you can say the craziest things I'll take it try me I love you I choose you you're mine I laid out my life don't you want to be a part of a church or a destiny or a ministry where you're heard and you're loved and you're seen and you're accepted and you belong this is the cry of every person how are we just supposed to put this away I want people to understand me so we spend our lives trying to be understood Someone understand me. I don't even understand myself. Somebody understand me. Men, isn't this what we want from our wives? For them to understand that we're not just a piece of meat. We're not just some sex toy. Right? Maybe that was a fantasy. Hold on. That's right. That's right. Hold on. That, that women, don't you understand? That we have sexual needs. 
women understand my my husband don't you want to understand that I have emotional needs so what do we do in marriage we try to be heard I want you to understand what I'm going through I want you to understand my needs we spend our lives trying to get our kids trying to get co-workers to understand us I want you to understand me. I want you to understand what I've been through. I want you to understand what it feels like. And you might not be communicating it with words, but you might be communicating it with actions. And what we are trying to do is we are trying to get someone to see us, trying to hear. And you know what we're doing? We learned this when we were little children. We learned to cry. Or maybe we didn't learn to cry because it was instinctive. But as a little baby, we learned to cry because we learned if we could cry, somebody would come and take care of our needs. We'd cry. And mom would come and change our diaper. We'd cry when we were hungry. And so, as little kids, it's instinctive to cry. And Paul is saying, but when you become an adult, you're still crying. And it's the only tool you have to get attention to tell people what your needs are. Now, it might not look like the cry of a little child, but what it will look like is the cry of an adult trying to get attention when communication and love or your version of it doesn't work. What we do is we begin to cry to each other and we begin to show other people our resumes and we begin to try to get attention so that someone will see what we're going through. And what are we doing? We're crying. We're trying to get attention. We're trying to say, don't you know what I'm going through? And we're crying. And we're crying. You know the one thing that no one really loves about a baby is a crying baby. It's a crying is effective. Get Jude now. Is it is he hungry? Is it the diaper? Is he tired? Those are the three needs right? And you're trying to figure it out. But if Jude doesn't stop crying, we have to bring him to the hospital. Crying is effective, but it's also destructive. And so as adults, we're crying, but no one's coming. And as men, we cry in unusual ways, shutting down, pulling away, We all have different tools, but it's all the same cry. And you know what a cry is? A cry is an admittance of being 100% dependent upon somebody else. A baby cries because he cannot do anything about what the need is. And so they cry because mom and dad are the only ones that can help. And so as adults, we learn to cry. Cry in our marriages. Babe, don't you see? I have needs. Don't you see? Church, don't you see? What people, don't you see? And then when we cry and nobody comes, we get hurt, we get offended because we're so dependent upon other people. And God is saying, I, 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 have, I have broken the tie of you being dependent upon other people. I've called you to be interdependent, but not dependent upon anybody else than the blood and the word of Jesus Christ. you got to cut the tie. Some of you are reading this book. Girls are. Wash your face. 
It's time to stop crying. It's time to wash your face. It's time to wipe the tears. It's it's time to stop crying because it is no longer an effective tool to get attention or build relationships. What happens when you cry in your marriage is you bring division. When you cry in your friendships, people are like, no, thank you. When you cry at work, you're not promoted because no one understands really what's going on because the cry is no longer effective. It becomes destructive. But God is coming to say, I have set you free. You're no longer dependent. Your love is not dependent upon that person. Your love is dependent upon your understanding. It's always dependent upon your understanding. Guess what? You can't change that person, but you can change your understanding. I've called you not, not dependent any longer. You're not dependent any longer. You're not dependent on that person any longer. That, that, that person, stop talking that way. No, no, that person has not made you unhappy. No, 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 no. You're not getting, no, no, it's not a love issue. Paul is saying very clearly, it's not a love issue. I want, I want to be loved. I want to be loved. Paul said, I know. I want to be loved. I want that kind of kindness in my marriage. I want that kind of emotion. I want that kind of honor. I want that kind of connection. I want to be heard. And Paul is saying, I know. I know. The only way to put it away is to know, though, that your love cannot be dependent upon that person to love you. Or else your ability to be loved now hinges on a person. God's saying you're delegating and you're outsourcing your love and your responsibility. Take it back. It actually hinges on your understanding. It hinges on your understanding. It hinges on your understanding. And I no longer want my version of the truth. I want God's version. I fought for years on my version of Carrie, my version of our marriage, my version of my family, my version of my ministry, my version as a father, as a husband, as a pastor, and I'm learning to put away this childlike understanding, and I'm saying, God, I want your version of my life. I want your version of my sin. I want your version of my future. I want your version of Carrie. I want your version of my kids. I want your version of my future. I need a new understanding. God, would you give me your understanding and your word? I want it. I want it. So this is what we're up against. going from being understood I need to be understood I need to be understood we're now taking that are you ready are you ready to put that away do you think you could put it away that need and that hunger to be understood over anything you know one of the hardest parts about church planning is that people don't understand how hard it is It ain't easy. And neither is your life. I spent so much time, though. I didn't think I was doing it, but I was slightly bleeding, just ever so slightly, to people. And they'd get close, and I'd say, hey, you really want to know what it is? It's tough. It's tough. It's tough. And you know what I wanted to do is I wanted to be understood. And so do you. Your life and your journey... But you know what the key is? 
The key is in 1 Kings when God showed up to Solomon and he says, Solomon, what do you want? He says, Solomon, what do you want? And Solomon had all kinds of needs. He had all kinds of needs. He had a, he had a family. His father was King David. He had, he, had, he, had, he had issues within his family, Bathsheba and, 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 his, and, his, and his brothers, and they were fighting for the kingdom, and all kinds of stuff was going on in the nation of Israel. And by the time God shows up and says, Solomon, what do you want? What do you want? Solomon had all kinds of needs. But Solomon said, give me wisdom and understanding. And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure and breadth of mind like the sand on the seashore so that Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the east and all of the wisdom of Egypt for he was wiser than all the other men and his fame was in all the surrounding nations he also spoke 3,000 proverbs and his songs were a thousand and not four but five how specific He spoke of trees from the cedar that is in Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of the wall. He also spoke of beasts and of birds and of reptiles and as a fish, he was a zoologist. And people of all the nations came to hear. Isn't that what we want? We want to be heard. See, right now you're saying, God's given me a gift. He's given me a message. He's given me a vision, and I just want to bless people with it. And God is saying, first, get understanding. Go after understanding, not being understood. Being understood is secondary. They will come, they will come, they will come and listen. They will eat of your gift. They will eat of your ministry. They will will partake of what God has put inside of you. But Solomon points to the pattern of saying, God, I lay down the need to be understood and I pick up understanding. I, I'm, I'm, I'm stopping a life and a lifestyle of crying and bleeding and being a victim. I'm taking back responsibility. I'm no longer dependent on anyone except your word. My faith is dependent upon you. My grace, my worship, my attitude, my prayer, my Bible time, my gospel, my gift, my ministry, my finances. I'm no longer a victim of that pastor, of the government, of that hurt. I am no longer a victim. I'm no longer a child. I'm growing up in the Word of God. I'm taking back my mind. I'm taking back my thoughts. I'm taking back my Word. And I'm giving myself to understanding. I'm giving myself to understanding. I'm giving myself to understanding. And then like Solomon, people will come and I'll be understood and they'll listen and I can pour out. It says this about understanding. Let's stand this morning. Let's read these verses on understanding. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom and all you're getting, get understanding. Proverbs 4, 7. Proverbs 3.19, the Lord by wisdom founded the earth by understanding he established the heavens. 